Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, Game Changers, and I hope you're well. Welcome to the Game Changers experience. I'm super excited, super pumped. You know, I love doing these shows, actually. I really do. And you know, it's interesting because what I love about doing these shows is, is the fact that some of the stuff that we get, we get the opportunity to do some of these things live. So we get to have this amazing, like fun experience. Um, but, you know, it's just something that I really enjoy doing. And, and I hope that you guys love listening to us as whatever it is. So I wanted to really kind of crack on really because we've got a great show lined up today. This particular gentleman, actually, I've actually, uh, he's been in, I suppose, in my I suppose in my pipeline for for about sort of six years or thereabouts, uh, we we um, we actually joined uh, the same particular business course quite a while ago. I and mean, you know how it is with with relationships and stuff. You kind of like, oh yeah, I, I kind of know of you, and I kind of don't know of you. And and uh, but it's interesting how um, how this in uh, how this person how 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 our guest today, Robin, um, you know, he um, has really kind of gone through what I call the entrepreneurial roller coaster. He's really ridden that. Um, and, and it's the same for a lot of us, a lot of pe- people that are successful or have got some influence and really add value to a lot of people. You know, they've really ridden the entrepreneurial roller coaster. And, and, and it's probably the same for you guys that are listening in right now as well. So um, what are we going to be covering today? Um, well, who is Robin? Well, Robin is basically he's the founder of Fearless Business. He's a bestselling author and a speaker. But he's also we're going to be covering a lot of things on, um, I suppose, um, you know, how to stop underselling yourself, you know, and really, you know, look at it from the perspective of how do we increase our value in our business? Because we're going to be talking a lot about pricing, we talk about sales, we talk about perceptions and things like that. So, um, so yeah, all good. So without further ado, give yourself a round of applause, Mr. Robin Wait, How you doing, Robin? Woo! feel like I need some walk-on music. <laughs> if only that was the case you know what i mean it's like you know it, it's kind of interesting how um you, you know i don't know about you but with podcasting virtual summits all of that kind of stuff you know it's really trending right now and i, I just can't see how like live events really fit into 
you know, like um, how how they really fit into sort of our arena right now. I just can't see that happening uh, from your perspective. What do you reckon? Well, when you look at look at what the likes of Tony Robbins achieved, you know, last week he had eighteen thousand people, you know, on a live virtual event and and it's just phenomenal and i've heard a lot I, I didn't unfortunately i was able to attend but i've had lots of friends who went along to it and they just said that somehow he still managed to keep that same you know level of energy that he's got and uh at one point he's he was on stage he spoke for five hours pretty much straight it was you know completely epic and uh i have to admit though i i do miss that buzz that you get when you actually do step on on a live stage in front of you know a couple hundred people or a few thousand people and True. you kind of you, you get those interactions those little moments which i don't think you really truly get online so when you're in the middle of a talk and there's somebody sat in the front row and you can see them nodding and you just you connect with them like eye contact and you know that you know they get it and it's like ah that that's the bit of connection which i really miss yeah 100 percent. no 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 absolutely and, and you know i don't know about you but it's like this you know having human connection you know what i mean it's it's it's, it's that there's that kind of missing part the energy the live time the the atmosphere and the ambience do you know what i mean it's like it's completely missing but just saying that you know um people like russell brunson and uh from uh, who do who's doing funnel hacking live and, you know, just sort of events like that, like you mentioned Tony Robbins and things like that, you know, they've really managed to um, do their best to duplicate, you know, the great, I mean, we do uh, the Game Changers Summit and we really do our best to really take that sort of live event experience and bring it into the virtual world. So, uh, well, do, do you know what my view on that was? Because it was really interesting when we went into the pandemic, the, the, the lockdown originally, and there were loads of people going, oh, I don't, don't like Zoom and I don't like being online. And I don't, oh, how am I going to make this work? And it's just not the same experience. That's what I kept on hearing. It's uh. not the same experience. And I was like, do you know what? It's not the same experience. But if if your mindset is that you like, you know, fixed mindset, it's not, you know, scarcity mindset. It's it's not going to be the same experience. That's what you're going to give people. True. So my view was, you can see my background, like Jazzy Lights and my, you know, lo logo over there. I love stuff. that, by the way. I love the blue neon and like the, there's this like blue neon and then you've got like an orange, which is like a, a horizon. I think it's fantastic. Well, it's it's all, I tried to do it all in my sort of branded colors. But the thing is, I was I, that, I didn't have that pre-lockdown. I didn't have my, my shelves, didn't have any of this background. It's just plain white background. I thought, do you know what? If we're going to be on in the online virtual world for a while, I need to b do something better, bigger. Like it needs to be 110% of what it was before, because you know now this is going to be the new normal, and people do need to be elevated and lifted a little bit during coaching sessions or podcast interviews or whatever it might be. So Very yeah, cool. I was like, you know, sorry, I'm just going to put everything into this and make it as good an experience as I can do. Uh, it's not not everybody's cup of tea, but it works. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that neon light that you've got in the background. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, uh, it's it, it really stands out. Actually, I love it. Well, and do you know what? It's it, the, one of the best things as well. I probably this is probably going to go completely wrong now, but let, we can have a little party as well. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. This is where I'm not going to be able to figure out how to turn it off now. But no, it's, it's just it's it's a bit of fun. It just makes it a bit more interesting. That's all. I agree. I agree. I, in fact, I got my kids uh, one of these. Um, you know, sort of uh, fluorescent color changing lights that you similar to what you got over uh, at Christmas time. So they've all got it in their room. So when they have kids, uh, when they have friends around, they can have their own party and stuff like that. So kind of funny, but it's all good. Anyway, listen, great, to, great to have you on the show today, and uh, and and uh, looking forward to our chat. And uh, for you guys that are listening in, by the way, um, if you're listening to this live or you listen to this recording, just make sure. That you've got a, a you know a, either a sort of a notebook and a pen handy if you've got one handy, because 
I don't know about you, but when I listen to podcasts, when I listen to summits and listen to speakers, whatever it is, I always love picking up aha moments because it doesn't matter, you know, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about, you know, it's not rocket science, but the key point is, is it's all about, you know, if you get that sort of the odd golden nugget here and you pick up the odd golden nugget, then you're like, oh my God, that is a game changer. Right. And that's what I love about these conversations. So, um, and, and pop it into the comments as well. Like if you're watching this live, drop that insight into the comments because sometimes the insights you pick up won't be the same as what some, somebody others, somebody else's insights will be. So drop it in the comments. Let us know you're watching. True. And for you guys that are listening into the recording, if you want to reach out to us as well, make sure you do so and you can uh, reply to our email address and uh, connect, with us, connect with us. Or in fact, what you can do, even better, you can leave a, a five-star review after this podcast because uh, – we know that how much we deliver and that's just being cheeky, but Hey, that's just me. But anyway, listen, all good. Um, oh, so we're going to be talking a lot about, um, well, selling and pricing, pricing structures and stuff like that. We're going to talk about that today, but let's start off with a, I suppose sort of the first question, I guess, for, from my perspective is, is that, you know, there's a lot of businesses, right. Uh, that I suppose they like to compare themselves with their competition. Right. And, um, and do you think from your perspective that prospects, clients, customers, however you kind of like put them into this window, do you think that they're sensitive to price and how does that increase our value? So I suppose there's like a double question, double whammy there. Um, yeah. Well, one of the, one of the first things you mentioned there about sort of comparing ourselves to the competition. Well, you know, um, I remember the days when we, when I was running my marketing agency and we had, um, you know, there were 20 local marketing agencies and, I had this penny drop moment that if we'd if we charged what the cheapest one was charging economically, it wouldn't work for our business. We'd be operating at a loss because we had an office overheads, we had a small team and things like that. So, the the local marketing agency, or albeit as just a freelancer who didn't have all of the overheads, he can afford to charge a little bit less than what we were charging. And then, but then I noticed that one of the things I kept on saying to myself was, oh, we can't be the most expensive because nobody will buy from us. And this is obviously before I know what I know now about pricing. Um, and so we kind of did that, the, the very normal thing, which is settle in the middle because we didn't want to be perceived to be the cheapest, didn't want to be the most expensive. But the, what, I, what I worked out, what I figured was that, you know, there is one person in every marketplace who is the most expensive. Right. It's, it's, log it's logic. There is just one person in your market who is the most expensive. Typically, though, they've got the most Google reviews. They've got the best reputation. They get the most referrals. And and this is the most important thing. They're the most expensive and they're still getting clients. So there's a clue there that we can be the most expensive in the market and still run a sustainable business and get clients. OK, but it, one of the things which I think a lot of small business owners really struggle with is this process of like being able to articulate their value and explain to people about sort of you know their worth and why they should they should buy from them so um you know where where you where you touched on that around um sort of uh how do we start to start to build that 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 value well a major part of it's actually confidence mindset yeah. so you know if if we if we uh in it, like we we can go down the money mindset sort of chat around you know where where that comes from but most people like 99% of the population have a very poor money mindset because um it's it's been instilled into them since their childhood you know hearing things like oh it's too you know can't buy those trainers because they're too expensive we can't go on holiday this year because we can't afford it money doesn't grow on trees money's the root of all evil we've heard it all before <laughs> but actually those beliefs those beliefs aren't useful as adults who want to grow businesses true because the one goal in business i mean 
this is going to sound very trite, but the one goal in business is to make money, right? Otherwise, you're a charity or not-for-profit. And even then, they still have to make money, right, to get money. And I'll caveat that because obviously we do it with a, a purpose, sense of vision, a mission, yes. you know, et cetera. So we still have our values. But ultimately, like if you're not making money, you're going to go out of business. And, um, uh, you know, so we have to have a very abundant mindset where we believe that we can go out and create wealth from our products that we sell and services that we sell. And if you don't have that underlying belief, you're just going to be challenged all the way through your business life, unfortunately. And and um, it took me way too long to learn. I mean, I've been in business for 20 years. I'd say probably half of that was um, building up this confidence because I didn't. My parents didn't, unfortunately, like gift me with, you know, all of the, the 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 golden nuggets around sort of having a positive money mindset and things. I had to figure this out for myself, and it took me a good good decade to like work it out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you mentioned the course that we. Um, both went on earlier on, you know, Dan Priestley. Um, that was a game, absolute game changer for me. It was just all of a sudden you're in this world of very highly successful people. And, I, you know, I come out of this little sleepy Cotswold town into this <laughs> environment where you've got these uh, amazing, like, high achievers, and you're in a room full of 50 of them on, going on this journey together. And that was a catalyst for me. That that just like, right, I can do this. I, 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 I'm starting to understand this now. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Very cool. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that really drives me insane, Robin, and this is a real, um, and maybe it's a money mindset thing, I don't know, but this whole kind of like blockage with regards to, you know, like a lot of our list, some of our listeners might be thinking, well, you know, a lot of my prospects, clients or customers, they can't afford it, right? It's like yeah. you made the decision for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and do you know what I mean? It's like, well, how do you know that? Well, you, well, how did you come to that conclusion exactly? Do you know what I mean? I mean, what's what's your what's your take on that? You know, with regards to, um, you know, uh, pricing and and sort of valuing your, yourself and things like that. Yeah, well, that's it. Again, that comes from that underlying core belief of I'm not worth it. So therefore, we make an assumption that everybody else thinks the same as us. But the reality is we're all different. OK, so yeah. and you, you, you excuse the pun, you were bang on the money there because you, you know, what you said was, um, you know, you, uh, we've made a decision on behalf of all of our prospective clients. And the thing is as well, like people, people see the buying decision like this, when you get to that pointy end of the question, how much is it? They see it as being like a binary decision. It's either too cheap or it's too expensive. It's a yes or it's a no. I'm in or I'm out. Right. Um, The reality is though, there's there's always a bandwidth. And this, this is the same with people's perception about your products or services. So, um, you know, there are degrees of people who are just not sold. They're just not in at all and they can't see the value of it, irrespective of how the price of it. They just, maybe they lack the confidence in your ability to deliver or um, maybe they, they're not sure about your reputation or maybe they're not sure. There's, there's underlying like things there, but ultimately they're like, they're not sold. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people you barely have to say any words to and they're like, yeah, I'm in because they've, they've been through your sort of customer journey and read your books. They've watched your videos. They've listened to your podcast. They've had great referrals and they're just, they're, they're already pre-sold and you've got all of these people in the middle. So we can't just make an assumption that just because we put our prices up, none of those people are going to buy. Because there's a chunk of them that that still will, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a really great example of this actually. It was um it was highlighted one second. It was highlighted in um this amazing book. I don't know if you read this at all. What? 
Detox to clutter, dominate. Love it. Very cool. By Perry seen- Marshall. Perry Marshall's an amazing consultant based in the States. And um, so this, this book's 34 pages long. It's like short book. It's even got wow. pictures in it, which makes it like super easy to sort of read and engage with. It's a lovely little book, right? And But in it, he talks about this one amazing concept around the, um, the Starbucks espresso machine. Okay, so mm. most people go into Starbucks um, to go and just buy their coffee, mocha chocolate, whatever it is, Chino, you know, in the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but they, they know their customer base, right? They've got a loyal fan base, millions of customers all around the world. And there's a group of people, a select group of people who show up raving fans each and every day to buy their coffee. And they, they know that for every one in 10,000 people and they're raving fans, one of them one day is going to walk in and say, oh, do you know, I want, want my coffee. Can I have a bag of beans? Oh, and by the way, that espresso machine that you've got on the counter behind you, can I have one of those as well? <laughs> now nobody if you go into starbucks next time look out for the espresso machine because they have one and it has a price tag on it i didn't it's know probably, that mind you yeah. i don't go into starbucks very often i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well no we don't because of the pandemic we haven't that, you know but, <laughs> but the, the but the point is here so their espresso machine is double any other express espresso machine if you went into i don't know john lewis or uh argos or wherever you buy your coffee machines from right that you'll you know this this one is double the price Thing is, though, they know that the net profit on that one that one espresso machine they sell periodically, like maybe one or two per store per year, um, is is about the same sort of net profit margin of about delivering three thousand cups of coffee. No, really? Yep. So in That's... one product. Yep. Damn. So so but so but you think about the price though. So the price of a cup of coffee, two pound forty, three pounds, whatever it is, and then the espresso machine, like four or five, six hundred pounds, quite expensive, right? But but the th- the reality is like most business owners don't have an espresso machine in their business because they're too afraid, too fearful to actually like put themselves out there. So, you know, take me as a coach, for example, uh, and a a version of my espresso machine might be, well, I have a, I have a course, you know, which is DIY. It's relatively cheap and inexpensive. Then you have your sort of group program, which is where you get some actual coaching. Then maybe you have some one-to-one coaching, which you do with somebody. And then you have a big corporate high ticket package, which is like, five, 10 times the price of your one-to-one, you know, it's like 50K, 100K or something like that. Periodically, and, and it kind of baffles me sometimes, like, because I kind of think I'm a bit dumb, but I get great results from my clients, you know, and it's all great. But so periodically, somebody comes along and they pay that. And I'm like, brilliant. You know, it's a win-win because <laughs> they get they can see the value. They get great re- value and results, but they're willing to kind of, um, you know, invest the money in it. So we yeah. should all, every business should have an espresso machine. Now, the catch here, though, is when I encourage people especially service business owners to have an espresso machine they want to go to town on designing it like they want they want to build the product before they actually put it out there on the shelf okay agreed the reality is when you have like information-based products adam like you and i kind of you know the arena that we kind of work in um you can sell a concept a theory now provided you've got the confidence and your ability to deliver that so if somebody buys it you've got a pretty good idea about how you're going to deliver it you don't actually have to have it fully packaged up and designed, but you can sell people based on the results that it's going to deliver. Um, you know, so you just so you just need to put it out there. You don't need to like put like put it out as a special offer or tell people about it. But as long as it's on the shelf, so somebody can come and buy it, great, you're in. Is that would that still be applicable to um, more product based businesses or even sort of? professional services based businesses so i know i know that you do a lot of stuff with a lot of coaches and consultants and and stuff like that but, but would that still apply 100 percent. well i tell you what look at look at um the likes of tesla 
Okay, yep. so he has the Model S, the Model X, the Model Y, the Model 3. If anybody ever hasn't noticed that, that spells out the word sexy. <laughs> right? Do you know what? I actually didn't notice that. Did That's not? crazy. He actually no, no, no. did that intentionally. And I, I was like, brilliant. I, that's that's my That's kind great of marketing. Fun. I love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. The interesting thing was, though, he, he launched with, the, at the time, the most expensive. He already knew kind of roughly what the range was going to look like. And obviously, yeah. they brought out that crazy like truck now as well. But um, uh, he launched, actually, with the most expensive product into the marketplace. Because obviously, that um, it's kind of because they worked so hard to build up the brand and the reputation before, you know, and taking deposits for this product. So they've made it highly desirable. So they went with the most expensive product first that that was going to bring in the greatest amount of cash flow into the business. And, you know, then obviously profitability, which they could then put into the more mass market models. Um, so Tesla's a really good example of where you've got an $80,000, you know, that, I mean, ultimately the truck is probably going to be their espresso machine. So I, can't, I think the price of that's something like 130 or $150,000, but then they've got the Model S sort of $80,000 and then it starts to go down before you get to the model. I think it's the Model 3, which is the kind of run of the mill one, which is about $30,000. So you know, yeah, they've got their espresso machine. Actually, if you look at most businesses, there will be an espresso machine out there. Mm. Um, what another example, really great example. I'm, I'm wary. I'm I'm talking a lot here, Adam, as well. But um, no problem. We don't mind that. It's all this, good. This, this all this is a really great sort of anecdote. Um, a friend of mine used to work for a big big international um, charity as a consultant, so doing Facebook advertising for them. So his remit was for a specific area, um, Indonesia. Uh, to spend $10 million on Facebook ads to turn it into $60 million through fundraising. Okay, so 5x ROI, return on investment. He he didn't like working there. So he's a church pastor as well locally. Um, it's partly sort of how, how we got to know one another and just having conversations and stuff. And um, he's like, I want to get out of UNICEF because I want to have a, a great, a bigger impact. I want to work with all of the charities, not just this one. So we created an eight week accelerator, which would um, teach people how to do what he does, but in other charities. So the likes of, say, Greenpeace South America would come along and they put 10 people on like the whole marketing team from South America, because if just one person gets this this concept, they're making they're making seven figures in fundraising like, you know, year in, year out. So we charge per head for that three thousand eight hundred dollars. So Greenpeace thirty eight grand to put ten people on, right? So that's that's the basic level product. And then so this is where we get into the espresso machine for him. He wanted to get out of consulting, so because obviously it's very much considered time for money. He he had a young family like me. He wanted to spend more time with them. Didn't really want to get sucked into doing big long consulting gigs. And uh, another big UK cancer charity came along to him and said, listen, we've seen what you've done with all of these different charities. We're struggling to implement. Uh, we need a change process. And we need somebody to lead it. Would you come in and do that for us for three weeks? Right. So so they're now going to put all of their oomph behind it to get it done really quickly. I've experienced. And he's like, oh, Robin, I'm, I kind of want to help them. I don't really want to get involved in consulting. And I know it's going to take a bit longer than three weeks. Like, what should I do? And I was like, well, what's driving you right now? What do you want? And he said, well, I'd love to pay off my mortgage. All right. And it was, it was, I think his mortgage was something like 450K or something. So it's like, I want to pay off my mortgage. It's like, cool. Well, that's your price then. He's like, well, what, what they wouldn't possibly pay that. I was like, but you might as well make it worth your while. Like put it out there. It's going to be massively transformational for them. I know they're a charity, but charities do have money, you know, and they, they want you. It's 450K. So we went back to them and 
they said yes. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, so love it, love his, it. His immediate reaction was, oh, God, I'm going to have to do the bloody the work now. But, you know, <laughs> it, but that was his espresso machine. And he just had to put it out into the world and ask for it. This is this is the one biggest mistake that people make. So, um, uh, uh, you know, Frank Kern. Yes. You had Frank Kern. So big, yes. big, big in the internet marketing world, sort of, uh, he's you know, been around since been around day ages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really inspirational guy. And he said the one of the reasons why people fail in business is because they don't put offers out there, right? Mm. And he's not talking about buy one, get one free or 40% discount or things like that. What he's talking about is just tell, simply telling people what the next step is in your process and guiding them towards a product, not selling them, but guiding them towards the product which they need. Mm. So, you know, most business owners wouldn't be brave enough, fearless enough to be able to, um, you know, go out and just say, yeah, you can have that, but it's $450,000. You know, they, they would just like all of a sudden they'd oh, be like, yeah. imposter syndrome kicks in, I'm not worth it. You know, they'll never pay that. And mm. hey, presto, we don't, we don't get the work, but we never told anybody about the fact that we could do that piece of work in the first place. So we're never going to get it. It's very, it's, it's, a, it's a good point, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, it, I suppose it's, like you said, it's confidence. It's also, um not just confidence but it's it's kind of just getting yourself out there and uh you know like you said like we're talking about which is knowing your worth knowing your value to a whole new level and you know don't be scared because if you <laughs> and and you gave a great example there of uh, one of your old clients and stuff like that i think it was a great that's a it's a great example i love that um what's going to say here's uh, uh, interestingly enough now I kind of thought to myself, well, okay, well, now that person w was ultimately scared. They were fearful of, okay, well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about this. You know, I, I, do you know what I mean? So what advice do you have for maybe our listeners that are listening in, whether it be live or recorded or whatever it is, that might be scared of putting their prices up because they think that, you know, that they're, like we talked about earlier, right? They, their prospects can't afford it. Their customers, their client can't afford it. There's not enough money out there. All of those things and whatever it might be. But what do you have? What advice do you have for people that are scared of putting their prices up for whatever reason? Sure. Yeah. Well, the, the so step number one has somebody else done it? Is somebody else charging that amount or close to it? Because if yeah. somebody else is doing it successfully and they're getting clients, well, there's a chance that you probably can too. Okay, sure. so that's the first shift. All we do is we just open up the door to the thought that, yes, maybe we can do it. Mm -hmm. So it's just slowly easing our way into it. The second thing is I'm a big fan of um, data and validation. Okay, so what we do is run, just make this assumption and this decision on behalf of all of our clients, actually go and ask them. So you need to, and rather than just ask them, you actually need to kind of pitch your, pitch your product to potential buyers. So you need to go and test different price points. Now, most people will only put their prices up once a year, once every two years or something like that. It's normally very safe, like 10 or 20% max. And they, they're really petrified of doing that because they're actually focused on just one, one part of their audience. They're only focused on their existing clients. And that's what creates the fear because they think their existing clients will leave through a, a, a price increase. Actually, there's two audiences, okay? So we've got our existing clients. We've also got new prospective clients. They've not yet been exposed to your pricing, so they've got nothing to compare this to, okay? So that, there's a ton of opportunity there. There's no tension at that point. There's tons of opportunity. So you pick your next 10 prospects and pitch them at a higher price point. 
So that's step number two. Step number three, and this this is where we ha- we can have a bit of fun with this actually, Adam, because the next question I, I normally get at that point is, well, how do I work out how much to charge? What price point do I test at? Part of it is a bit of finger in the air. So long as it's higher than what you were charging before, that's fine. But there is a process. Are you game? Do you want to do you want to play? Cool. So you don't have to give too much away here, but have a product in mind that you want to increase the price of potentially. How much is it at the moment? Mm-hmm. Five, grand, me. five grand. grand. Okay, so we've got a yeah. five five k product. Okay. Yep. Now, if I just asked you the question, is it is it beyond the realms of possibility? Like t- today, if I asked you or invited you to pitch it for fifty k, what do you think? I wouldn't have a problem, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot of people. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. Here we go. What about 100k? Uh, for the same product. Same product, 100k. Mm, right, you're hesitating. Okay, so what we've what we've done here. Remember, I talked about bandwidth. Okay, so sure. pricing has a bandwidth as well, right? So now what I've done with you, Adam, is I've created a bandwidth between 5k and 100k. Yep. Now you were okay at around, you were like, yeah, 50K. So yeah, I could do that, right? That's because you're Adam, but there was there was hesitation <laughs> of 100, right? What I'm going to do with you now is I'm going to do an auction. I'm probably going to start around about the 50K mark, actually, because you're already like, yeah, I reckon I could do that. Uh, and I'm going to work my way up. I'm, you don't have to tell me anything. I'm going to know when we're starting to kind of, what price point we should go at. So if we were 50K, 60K, 70K. So, okay, right. So it's 70K. That's where you're starting 70K, to get a little bit outside your comfort zone. I'd say, I'd so probably say, 70, I'd say 75. I'd say 75. Okay. That would be so 70, idea, 70 yeah. was comfortable. 75 was just outside your comfort zone. Okay. So we do, we pitch just outside your comfort zone. The next 10 or 20 prospects who come and you want that product, we pitch it, yeah. pitch them at 75K. And you, you're experienced. You, I don't have to teach you about sales and things like that. But you, you, I can guarantee that if you've got a good conversion rate in your 5K product, if your confidence is if you're just outside your comfort zone like we've got a needle that's kind of fits in the middle if you if you if you're selling lots at 5k yeah we're going to artificially decrease your conversion rate by increasing the price but we want to be somewhere in between one in five and one in three as a conversion rate so you go and pitch 10 people 20 people you should close two three or four of those with that product at that price point Okay. And the nice thing is, and this is where, this is where we then move into like the mechanics. Now we've got our data, our feedback. Mm. Somebody said yes. So we're feeling confident and our, this is now our barometer. Do you know the thing which gets me like really gets my goat, Adam is when people come to me and they say, Oh, if you put me in a room with people, my conversion rate's like ridiculously high. I close like 80, 90%. So not the needle is over here, right? (laughs) What bullshit. How can we, well, yeah, one, one, there's, there's BS. Yeah. If you put me in a room with like my ideal client, I can close everybody. It's like, yeah. But, but the thing is we've got, there's, there's data and validation, but when we're like closing hundred percent, we can't improve that anymore. So we can't actually test it anymore. True. If that makes sense. True. When you've got the, the needle one in five to one in three kind of around here, we can kind of like, right, we'll push our prices up a little bit more. Okay. Conversion rate starts to dip. It's coming into one in five, right? What's missing from our product that's going to, you know, what value do we need to add into that in order to get the conversion rate to come back up and people see the value in it? And so now, because we've got this opportunity to be able to flex, if it's there or if it's there, it's kind of really hard to actually test and get good data out of it. So that's kind of step number four is we artificially kind of like move the needle conversion rate needle somewhere into the middle 
um, so that we've got a bit of bandwidth to operate within. True. Love it. Love it. Love it. Some good stuff there. Um, and, I, and I suppose feedback is really crucially important as well. You know, te- like you said, testing the market, going to existing clients, finding out how they'd feel about stuff and uh, things like that. Do you think that's that that's a good that's a good a good call as well if they're doing that research? Massively. Um, I, I put an incredibly controversial post into my Facebook group uh, during the week, which was about the relationship between the buyer and the seller. Okay. Mm. As somebody who sells services, when somebody says no, it's actually really helpful. I mean, they don't have to give me a reason why, but it's actually really helpful to me if I understand like why they're saying no, because it informs me. It means I can either we either go, oh, it's just not a good fit. And actually, that's absolutely fine. I'm not I'm far, so far detached from the outcome, like sales wise. And uh, there's a you know, number of reasons for that. That's a whole process in its own right. But um, when somebody says no, I kind of I kind of want to know why. And I had I had a person that the premise of the, the post, I just popped up that somebody had said, I can't buy fearless because it's too expensive. And every objection, it kept on coming back to price. And I, you and I know that price is never really the real objection. There's always you know, dig a couple of layers deep and there's always another reason in there, but they kept on saying price. And it was bullshit because a week later I see that they've bought this puppy on, you know, they posted a picture of this puppy on Facebook and I looked at the price of the breed and it's like three and a half grand. I was like, <laughs> you, just li- you blatantly just lied to me. But then but then it uh, there was a whole argument of, you know, stream of people kind of haranguing me for this post because I was like, as a buyer, just be honest, like, you know, tell the, tell the person you're buying a service from, a product from. If you don't like it, tell them why. Because take a Tesla. Oh, the doors are too big. It won't fit in my garage. It won't. Like, it actually helps inform them to make a better product. It's true. Uh, don't just tell lies. And it's really interesting, right? So it's you like you, to... it's, it's like uh, anything. And you're in when you're in a situation like that, and, you know, here in Scandinavia, for example, it's classic, is that people don't want to um, – they don't want to um, – what's the word I'm looking for? They wanna. They don't wanna um, hurt someone's feelings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that. That's 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 the mindset, right? I don't want to hurt your feelings. I, I don't. I want to be nice, type of thing. So, so this this is where like you get into the arts of like again knowing your worth, being able to sell your services and sell well in a in a non pushy. You know, one one of the best tips I ever got around sales was open the door up to the no. If you if you can open the door up to the no, it actually makes the yes easier. So then like, how do we do that? So quite simply at the start of the conversation, we say, listen, we're gonna have a conversation about your business. We're gonna work out whether this is a good fit, but please be honest with me. If we get to the end of this conversation and it's a no, please just let me know why. And no is okay. I don't mind. I'm not I'm not here to sell you something if it's not a good fit. Yep. And so quite often I do get that bit of feedback. And even with this person, I got that bit of feedback. Um, but I, it's interesting because I, ju- I got judged quite heavily in that because of that post because everybody's like oh well it's covid it might be for her well-being and it might be for her children and it might be for this how dare you judge her on that, this, that and the other now i'm being judged right so it's, it was completely meta it's ridiculous and i i put in the end i was like look i didn't put in the post it's me or the dog and i'm pissed off that i didn't get the self she bought a dog that's not what this is about this is this is about the buyer taking responsibility you know, for their decisions and just being honest. Because if you think about it, Adam, right, you and I both sell services. We're both incredibly abundant people. We, we, you, You and I spent hours on things like Clubhouse, doing videos and podcasts like this. We want to educate and inform people. We've both written books. We've, we give away 
so much value, right? So yes, yes, ultimately we have a business to run. We, we will sell products off the back end of that. That is a given, okay? And, and again, if it's a good fit, we'll do it ethically, morally, and yeah, it's all done the right way. Sure. So we're here as sellers, giving all of this value, giving up our free time. We do, you know, sales calls with prospective clients. We give up an hour, we give them the strategy, we give them the tools, but it's then the buyer who takes all of that free stuff, right? Then, then you give them a proposal, and then they just ghost you. So they're the ones; be, they're the ones being evasive. They're the ones taking the free stuff. They're the ones, and people can't quite marry this up. And the simple reason is we've been had it drilled into us that salespeople are slimy. They're persuasive. They're aggressive. They're this. They're this. They're this. They're this. They're this. It's true. Nobody's ever asked a question about what's the buyer like. <laughs> Well, it's true, and and you're and, and I think you really hit the nail there because there gets to a point where, you know, you, you I mean, we serve and we give value, which is a huge word, obviously, because it's so overused in this day and age. But the the reality is, is that they'll get to a point where you know what, um, it all goes back to, you know, uh, is this real? Is this person really the type of person that I really want to be working with? Number one, and number yeah. two, do, are they aligned to my personal values? So, you know, there are particular types of clients that don't really like me. And guess what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I think it's about, uh, from my perspective, it's about really kind of not just knowing your worth, but also making sure that you're hanging out with the right tribe of people, yeah. you know, that appreciate you for who you stand for. Um, because, you know, some people don't like the high energy. Some people don't like the fact that I swear every now and then. But you know what? I don't give a shit because I'm just being me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and that's, and that's just life at the end of the day, you know? And, um, and I think that you can become very, I think what's key here, especially for, for the listeners that are listening in is the key is, is not to become emotionally attached to any particular outcomes. I don't know about you, Robin, but when, when I first got into business, right, when people used to turn around and say no, I used to get so upset about it. It's like, why are they not buying my products? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my. Why me? And you start blaming you and you start blaming your judgment. And then, and then it's like, well, maybe it isn't you. Maybe it's just because this particular person have got their own freaking issues. But, and, and I'm a big believer in also timing. You know, timing yeah. is, is absolutely crucial. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. But yeah, it's so, so funny, so funny. It's all well, good. The, the, I mean, the thing is, that, like the post, the post clearly polarized. And I, I, I it happens kind of, I, di I didn't mean, I didn't intentionally kind of put something out there to be like controversial. That, sure. That's not really my style. But accidentally, I managed to do it periodically. And it actually, what it informed me was that this is like a really hot topic. This is actually something we do need to talk about. And I think I offended some people. I didn't mean to it, but, uh, you know, and they were coming back saying uh, that somehow I got triggered because I was angry and they made all these assumptions about me. And I was like, we, you, you didn't listen to the conversation I had with this person. Exactly. You didn't, I gave her like a 12 month strategy for her business to transform it so that she could go out and buy 20 dogs if she wanted to, not just one. Like I, I was as generous as I could be. I sent her the book and I, I don't, I have no problem like doing, doing any of that stuff. And, and again, like, and so I just wrote back and I'm like, I've been triggered. Like somebody put the word trick. I've been triggered. I was like, I haven't, what are you talking about? You like, you do making yeah. stuff up. Now. You, know, like, it's you know, it's interesting, right? <laughs> you can't, you can't please everybody. And that's the yeah. bloody problem in this world is that it doesn't matter how much value you give to someone. It doesn't matter what you, you could get, you could practically run their business for you. And guess what? 
you'd get zero, zero gratitude and appreciation. Yeah. And that's like, well, do you know what? But it's balanced, it's, it's balanced off at the other end of the spectrum. Again, it's bandwidth. Again, it's not binary True. thinking that we have good clients and bad clients. You have, you have some, you have bad prospects. who are never going to be a good fit. You have some, some okay ones. You have some good ones. You have some great clients and True. it's about just, just kind of like use, use the right words, find your tribe, find the people you gel the most with and hang out with them. Yep. Very good. Um, interestingly enough, and I know we haven't really spoken about this, uh, <clears throat> too much but if we are if, if our listeners are offering a, a slightly cheaper price a, a cheaper price than our competitors as an example um how can how does that affect the um our brand how does that affect the perceptional sort of quality to people that maybe haven't bought from us before or uh, or maybe your existing clients or customers any thoughts there well I, it's a bit like God, there's the number of different sort of strands that I could, you know, directions I could go off here yeah. with it. So I had a, uh, an interesting conversation with a client. So they're in medical aesthetics. They do Botox injectables and things like that. So um, they operate a very high-end clinic. I've been working with them for a number of years, or three clinics, actually. They've got nine rooms in total. They're a seven-figure business. And um, they we had a conversation quite early on about putting prices on their website, putting prices on their Facebook group and things like that. And they, they kept on getting objections on Messenger and kept on getting objections on, on email and things like that. Because essentially, my perspective, they were giving their prices out too early on in the process because, believe it or not, like Botox is a medical procedure, <laughs> having needles shoved in your face and things like that and all of the other, you know, aesthetics treatments you can get. Um, and yet people shop around on the Internet for the cheapest and I, and I was baffled by this and, and do you know what so we did an interesting experiment because they were they they were kind of convinced that oh we, we people want the prices so we'll give them the prices. I said well you do it your way for a month we'll do it my way for a month and we'll compare data yeah because they were the big you know very high-end clinic they were the best best and most expensive in their sort of niche and um so we took the prices off during my month now the conversion rate went up by 40 percent <laughs> I love it and the reason for that was purely because they had the opportunity. Somebody would say, well, can you give me a price for this? And they'd say, well, hold your horses a second. This is quite, it's a, a, it's a big investment, but B, this is a medical procedure and we need to speak to you. We need to understand who you are and what it is you're trying to achieve and this, that, and the other. So they took them on this educational process. And when these people who ordinarily, 40% of people ordinarily who would have shopped around a price and gone for the cheapest, when they had the opportunity to get some extra information and understand the differences between the cheapest and the most expensive, invariably they, they're now better informed as a buyer, they'd go for the more expensive one. And there was actually a bit of a byproduct to this as well, which was um, like, I call it the pixie dust moments that we weren't expecting. Up until that point, they'd, um, so when there's the procedures go wrong there they have these things called reactions. So the skin reacts, it's like a, you know, it, it's got a foreign body in it. It just, it blows up so they have rashes and various things like that so uh it's rare but it does happen so up until that point typically on the average year they'd have something like 18 reactions come in from another clinic down the road come to them to then have it resolved and dealt with okay mm. so i was like that's actually really high like what's mm. going on here so because they were putting their prices given the price that i messaged and the emails and stuff like that and the same as this cheaper company was doing so this other com company that was selling it was one one person banned 
in a small room in a in a health clinic that wasn't properly getting cleaned because this person was doing the injections, then having to quickly clean down the room between times and creams were getting mixed up and she was trying to save costs and not using the best ingredients and things like that. So had all these people going to this low end like clinic who ended up ultimately coming to my high end clinic client to get these issues resolved. Mm. When we started hiding the prices so people had to say the 40% higher conversion rate, that went down to on average two reactions a year coming from the other clinic. Mm. So this process of educating people was actually preventing like quite serious, like medical conditions, like reactions from happening. It was saving, it's saving people's lives effectively, sure. you know, in a way. Um, and that, and that, I know that's an extreme case, but like giving out your prices too early and being the cheapest in the market actually is quite damaging potentially to customers. Mm. Mm. Now, most of us have businesses where we're not like, it's not medical procedures, like nobody's going to die off the back of it. But <laughs> I, I still like to think of it that when a client comes in and wants to put their prices up in some way, I'm saving their life. Because if I can get them a little bit more money in their business and they're a bit more profitable uh, and they can have, you know, maybe an extra holiday or two a year or, you know, with their family and or like buy a house, which is with a bigger garden. It has all these cascading effects where it's like knock on in terms of well-being and the relationships in their family and better lifestyle for their kids and mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like money's Love not it. a bad thing. I think sometimes like. Like, a, like we said it earlier on, you know, the things we hear, money is the root of all evil. Just teaching people about the value of money. True. Very true. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Sarah Franklin said, uh, it's the same with people buying the biggest purchase in their life, a house, yet they want to pay the person who makes sure the legals are sorted correctly as little as possible. And then yes. she said, but lawyers have to give their costs in advance, which is true because there are professions out there that have to give their costs out in advance. But how do you, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, haven't you? And you said, you know, when well, you can still effectively, rather than having your prices on your website, you can build some sort of customer journey. And yeah. then effectively, if they want to call you up or send you an email and, and have some sort of what I call consultation, then you can disclose that, can't you, on the call? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And you can even you can even have it in brochures, which people have to apply to in order to get download the prices and things like that. True. I should say as well, like lawyers are tricky characters. I mean, I'm married to one, so I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, No, she's ace, my wife is. Very, very <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. I don't think she listens to podcasts. So we're probably oh, that's safe. good. <laughs> <laughs> but there are plenty of other lawyers are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, so this, but this is where we get into um, sort of the realms of like productizing services. So this is where, say, for example, that conveyancing process of like buying a house, you know, you can within reason, you could have three to five core products, maybe for, I don't know, different sized houses or different numbers of people in the chain. Or there'd be a couple of a couple of variables which will shift how much work is involved. But you could have three to five fixed fee core core products here which satisfy 80 to 90 percent of the market normally what i found is and you can have this in any business not just law firms but um normally what i found is then the 10 to 20 percent of the people who were like oh could you just add this bit on oh could you customize that could i have this bespoke thing they actually are what i call pitaf clients pain in the ass factor clients right? they're the <laughs> ones who who like they end up like you know they reduce um, profitability because they take up at 80 percent of the time and it's just it just doesn't work and yeah. again i'll give you an example actually so this this is a, a again another pixie dust moment so 
with a with a very early coaching client of mine. So they used to do web design and hosting, okay? So very heavily commoditized kind of products. Yeah. Their hosting, they used to charge eight pound a month for, and their one goal was to get to 3,000 pound a month on the hosting fees alone. So the husband and wife partnership, young family, and they, so that they could take the summer off to spend with their kids without having to take on any extra clients during those six weeks. So great goal. And I said, I'd quick bit of maths. I said, cool. So you've got the capacity for 400 clients. <gasps> no, Robin, that's just ridiculous. Couldn't possibly work with 400 clients. Like, cool. How many, how many could you work with? Oh, probably about hundred. Okay. Well, how could we work with 400 clients then at the current price point? He's like, well, uh, we could hire people. And I was like, well, on three grand a month, like you, this is, you know, it's just enough money for you to be able to get by, let alone hiring other people. It's just not going to work. So we came to the conclusion that we had to put the prices up. And of course, we went through the, the those objections of, oh, but people will leave and this and the other. It's like, yeah, some people will leave, okay? And we went we went radical with their pricing. So we went from minimum £8 a month up to minimum £50 a month. We layered on some extra value. So we added in some extra support time and various things like that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just jack the price up. That's not our process. It was it was like, let's add, let's stack some value in here, make it worth their while. Love it. So 120 clients, 40% of them left. Okay, so about 40, 45 of those clients left. But their revenue went up two and a half times overnight. There you go. Okay, so they're making more money from the from having the fewer clients who stayed. Okay. Mm. This is a pixie dust moment their support calls dropped by 85%. Isn't that interesting? Which means less but, costs. Well, yeah, but the thing is that that we I didn't anticipate this. I, I knew that probably something would happen, but the, the the clients who valued them the least, who were the biggest pain in the ass, phoning them up every five minutes, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? I'm like, don't worry, come here. Moaning all the time <laughs> and stuff like that. They were the ones who left because they didn't get the value. And so that what they ended up with is the best clients who just were just super happy with the service they were offering. You know, so yeah, revenue up, number of clients down, but time and support massively transformed for them. Interesting. You know, I you know I call those clients. I call them energy vampires. They yeah. suck out, suck it. They suck. They suck out all your profitability. They suck at everything that you've got. Energy vampires. <laughs> and one last thing, just on on the question as well. So you said, well, what? How is it about? How are we around the perception of being the cheapest? Okay, actually, it's, yeah. I, I don't care about perceptions. Is like kind of irrelevant actually to that question um uh, it's it's a good question but it's that that particular part of it what's more important is around like underlying profitability which is what you just touched on okay mm. so if if in if if you're in a fairly competitive marketplace and you set your prices now the chartered institute of management accountants did some work on this a study on this but when when money comes in at the top and it filters down through your profit and loss account it it's not like you if you did a 10% discount which like is basically what you're doing if you're cheaper than everybody else you're offering a discount if you offer just a 10% discount the perception is the thought is that um that oh it will just reduce our profit by 10% actually when the money falls down through the profit and loss it compounds okay because otherwise you would end up with 100 100 pounds in 100 pounds out so there's this compounding effect it's like 100 pounds right. in 20 pounds out negative compounding i should say True. so actually what they worked out is with a 10 percent discount you've actually got to sell 25 percent more of the same product to make the same net profit mm. so that 10 percent little 10 percent discount that you're offering or being 10 percent cheaper than your competitors you've actually got to do 25 percent more work to make the same money as them it's like quantity. It's like quantity over quality, isn't it? Yeah. And for most people, that's just not. It's sustainable for a short period, and then their business just breaks. Yeah. And and you know, there's so many different. Um, I know that supermarkets use it quite a lot with loss leaders and 
sort of other sales tactics, I suppose, to enhance their value, I suppose, in, in a way, and it can be done with physical products, information products, whatever it is. Um, yeah. What is, oh, Sarah said, uh, the Solicitors Regulation Authority has just ruled that solicitors need to have their costs on the information on the website. But, but I guess to get around that, I suppose you could still have a brochure, right? You could still have a brochure. And, yep. it, and again, it's all about, I suppose, perceptions. Position. And positioning and stuff like that, right? So, yeah. and I know that Sarah is very good at what she does because she's an all. Yeah, you have it. You can put a pricing link on your website. Click onto it. It has a bit of blurb, and then it says to download our pricing brochure. Please click here, and it pops up with name, email address, telephone number. Telephone number is really important, mm -hmm. and so you're still giving that information. It's still on the website, yep. but at least there's a bit of an exchange there, and you can you essentially what you're doing at that point is you're testing how warm a buyer they are, how like serious a buyer they are. Exactly, um, and I, th I think that would work. I mean, I, I don't know this, the SRA kind of regulations, kind of inside and out, but um, there, there, there will be a bit of a workaround like that, I'm sure. Very cool. Listen, uh, I know we come to the end of our uh, um, our, our bit of fun, our, our interview as such, and it's been good uh, having a chat and things like that. What are you um, What are you working on right now? Just out of curiosity, because I know that you've got a lot of things in the pipeline and stuff like that. And we hang out on Clubhouse and things like that, but what, what are you working on right now? Well, I, it was, um, I realized it's been four years since I launched Take Your Shot, so which was my second official kind of my uh, book. So I'm actually in the process, I'm about 22,000 words into the Fearless Business book, which is going to be all about pricing. So oh. massively transformational. Some of the shifts, I mean, what we've gone through today, that's about probably about, I don't know, 10% of the, the, what's going to go into the book in terms of just, I, it's just ideas and little anecdotes and stories just to kind of help to shift people's mindset from, I'm not worth it to I am worth it and and see their value. So yeah, very exciting. I'm hoping that's going to be out sometime in the autumn. Very cool. So listen, guys, uh, if you're interested in learning more about how you can increase your value, your prices and position yourself uh, slightly different to the market, then do yourselves a favor, connect with Robin and you can click on his links on the links below uh, and uh, make sure that you, even if you're listening to the recording, listen to this live or whatever it is, if you want to say, give us a hi, if you say uh, hello, or make any comments in the comment section below, you can do that anyway. So listen, guys, hope that you've enjoyed today. I hope that you are, your notebook, like my notebook has been filled up with great uh, value bombs and golden nuggets. Make sure that you implement as well. It's really important to implement what uh, me and Robin have been talking about. Uh, so hope that you've enjoyed today. Robin, just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Adam. Thank you. Awesome. Very good. Listen, guys, hope you enjoyed today. Uh, make sure you listen in, uh, subscribe. If you haven't already done, subscribe to the podcast, uh, The Game Changers Experience, and you can listen to us on Apple, Google, Podchaser, all the wonderful uh, ch uh, channels and stuff like that. And we'll see you again for, for the next Game Changers Experience. Take care from me and Robin, and we'll see you soon. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with myself and Robin Waite. Uh, Robin has been kind enough to offer free copies of his book called Take Your Shot. It's a best-selling book. You can get your free copy. All you have to do is leave a testimonial and a review on our podcast for our podcast, either on Apple or and if you're on Android, you can go to podchaser.com 
uh, send a screenshot to myself or my team and we'll send you a link where you get your free copy. You can even get your free copy if you are outside the UK. We, get, we make sure that you get a PDF copy. So make sure you go ahead and do that straight away. Don't miss out. It's, gonna, it's a great opportunity and a great offer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope you subscribe to some more amazing Game Changers Experience episodes. Cheers.